Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. When I first met Robert Dover, I was in the Fire Island Pines. It was just a couple of years ago. And somebody said, oh, you know, there's a guy over there who competed in the Olympics. And I, I, for whatever reason, I didn't recognize Robert by, by sight. And I walked over and introduced myself and realized, oh my gosh, this is Robert Dover, a true trailblazer. People throw that title around. I throw that title around a lot. Uh, and that's, I'm, I'm always accurate when I do. But with Robert, Robert is a real monstrous trailblazer. In 1988... He came out publicly as an active Olympian. And this was before Greg Louganis came out uh, post-retirement. This was before just about anybody had come out. You could only count on one hand the number of active uh, elite sport athletes who were publicly out. It was essentially Martina and Billie Jean and then Robert. And Robert uh, visits with me this week talking about that experience uh, talking about being at the Olympic Games six different times as an athlete and a couple more times as a coach, why he's walked away from working in and around the Olympics. And then we end the conversation talking about what he's up to now and why and who he's focused on in the presidential election. Without further ado, my good friend and trailblazer and wonderful Olympian, Robert Dover. Well, I am thrilled to be welcomed this week by Robert Dover, uh, from and who lives in Florida. And Robert and I got to spend a little time together on Atlantis Cruise uh, a couple of weeks ago. And and Robert, I I try to explain to people the the community atmosphere and how friendly people are on this cruise. And and it's almost they 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 can't even put their minds around. Uh, of the community that has risen up around Atlantis and these cruises. How do you describe it? Well, the thing is, Sid, what you and I also both know is what life is like on Fire Island, for instance, or when we would be in Mykonos all at the same time for Excelsior Week. Um, the, the same thing happens where thousands of people and and for that for that matter florida during white party week or winter party week these are weeks where thousands of of lgbtq people come together to not only have a great time but see each other if they haven't seen their friends in so many years and that was another thing just seeing you after ha not having seen you in a long time and and um, other loved ones, it's a great thing. And we also have a lot of fun. There's no doubt about it. It is always the people, and, and you're right, running, running into people, just seeing you and Robert there and just being able to hang out and, and, and have fun and catch up, it, it really is special. And, 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 and I, I, try to, I try to talk to people about the people making the cruise. The, the cruise, I think straight people go on the cruise to like go to the stops and have food. But, uh, but I think the Atlantis people go on these cruises for the people because the people are so great. Yeah, it's that. It's also 
a way of disconnecting from the stresses that go along with the rest of our lives, where whether we're whether some people are doctors or lawyers or in my case, uh, an equestrian, and we're right in the middle right now of a very intense season, including a lot of Olympic qualifiers for Tokyo. And uh, had I not uh, stepped away from my post a year ago, I would have not been even able to get on this cruise because I would have been having to be coaching for our Olympic team. But now as a private trainer, I took that week off and it was so much fun. So you've been in and around the United States Olympic team since 1984. Um, was it simply, you know, walking away from it finally, was it simply uh, it's, you want your life back or were there other factors that played into it? No, the truth is that, uh, as you say, I, I've been either on Olympic teams or the coach of the Olympic team since 1984. And <clears throat> there had been a couple of years in between where I would be able to enjoy uh, a summer out in the Hamptons when we had a home there or uh, in Fire Island. But the last decade, I spent every single summer with our riders on tours to Europe because the Olympics is not just about the actual Olympic year. The four years that lead up to an Olympic year, the three before it, are always full of international events that you have to take part in as a team in order to qualify. What that also means is my life was every single year either a, a major tour throughout Europe or multiple ones with our team riders in preparation for a major championships of that year, which then designated who was the world champion or the Pan American champion or uh, the champion of a huge show, the biggest show in the world called Aachen, which takes place in Aachen, Germany, outside of Dusseldorf. And those teams become then eligible to compete, for instance, in Tokyo this year. I, it, it is amazing to me how much time and energy the sports at that level take. And I know that um, uh, Robert, uh, your husband or partner or both? He's my husband. You are married. <laughs> I'm going to say he's my partner. You know what? He is both because he's a business partner and he's been, we've been together now 31 years. So I, I know he, he is an equestrian as well. Was it, was it a situation where he could, were you all traveled at all together or was it, were you just completely separated from him as you did all that traveling? The, the great thing about Robert is yes, he is a horseman from the sport of jumping we actually wow. met in a, in a stables 31 years ago. He was taking a clinic in New Jersey with the coach of the Olympic jumping team for a week. And I rode in on my horse because I kept my horses at that man's farm. I rode into this indoor arena and it was in the right around 4th of July. And it was very hot in New Jersey. And Robert was setting jumps 
up in the arena and it was so hot that he had no shirt on. So I saw him, I walked straight by him and I walked up to the Olympic coach and I said, George, I just have one question. He said, what is that? And I said, who the hell's that? <laughs> and he said, that's Robert Ross from uh, California. He's out for a week. And I said, okay, George, so this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a pool party because it's so hot out and invite all of us. And I was toward the end of a, of a relationship that I had been in for five years with another person who was a horseman in my own sport. And I said, and tomorrow night, you're going to have a dinner and invite all of us, including what was to be my ex. And we're going to have it at a nice little inn at a round table. And you're going to put Robert Ross there and my soon to be ex over on the other side of the table. And for me, honestly, it was, I complete love at first sight. And it took me six months to land him because he wouldn't go out with me until I was completely done with my ex. And he lived on the other coast. So I, I actually, in the most old fashioned style you could imagine, had to court my husband for a half a year. And as, as hard as I tried to make it more than that, he would not have any of it until the, the other one was gone and then we would go out on a real date. And our first date was the following March. We went to Key West and uh, yeah, made it as far as the airport Sheridan or <laughs> I was like crazy that I was so totally in love and in lust for him. And, and then uh, over all the next years, Robert rode for a long time uh, with that coach and other top Olympic riders and became a Grand Prix jumping rider. And he would go to his shows. I would go to my shows. And when it was the important shows in Europe, we would be together. We have never been apart more than two weeks in 31 years. Wow. That's, yeah. your, your, it's, your story is is almost identical to mine. Love at first sight. Uh, he was dating somebody. We were on opposite coast. It took me two years to break him up from his boyfriend, but I finally did it. And within like 24 hours, we were together and we've been together ever since. So we have very similar stories. Um, but, you know, again, it's it, one of the things that I struggle with is 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 my sports world and my sports work and it taking me away from Dan. But it sounds like you know, having a, a husband who was in the same sport really helps with the understanding and the fact that you two ended up in the same spot quite a bit. Well, that and, and also he truly ran my business. So we, we have a, uh, a business called Romance Farm Incorporated and literally I, so I had started that, that uh, brand, that, that company in 1985, right after the 84 Olympics. And when Robert came into my life, of course, he's so business minded and so good with numbers, which I never was. I, I'm an idea person and I see things in shapes and colors and, and he sees numbers and things like physics and algebraic formulas. And I, to me, that makes no sense whatever whatsoever and so he looked at for instance my taxes 
that first year that we got together and said, I have no idea what you're doing, Robert, but you're losing a lot of money. <laughs> so he truly ran and has run my business ever since. And as it grew, of course, we have accountants and secretaries, but for many years, Robert ran everything. And another example is I have no sense of direction. So Robert will remember a large rock on the side of the road in Wiesbaden and know where the gym is. <laughs> I could go out of my room in a hotel and turn the wrong way to go to the elevator every single day in a, of a week if I'm, if I'm off at a horse show. I'll have to look left and right and think, is the, is the elevator left or right? And uh, so I'm famous for having no sense of direction, which is why I do this sport, I guess, where I'm in a rectangle and there's letters all the way around it, and I can I basically can't get lost. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's interesting listening to that. I'm thinking, you know, he ended up in jumping, which makes sense, and you ended up in dressage. And I think that, you know, when, when people think about equestrian, they think of jumping, and they don't quite know what dressage is. How do you explain dressage for dummies? So... So dressage is a French word that means training. It's one of the oldest sports in the Olympic family. It actually goes back 2,000 years to the time of Socrates. And it became a sport within the ancient Olympic Games. And then from the time that the modern Olympics started in 1910, it, it, it has been um, part of the Olympic family. And what it is you can uh, think of it like um, like the skating compulsory figures that they used to have in skating, where they would have to do circles and the skates would have the blades would have to follow exactly in the lines again and again on circles. And I don't know if you remember that, but back then they would have to do figures of eight and all of these compulsory figures. And then obviously they would have the first day what we have that same thing we have compulsory figures that all the riders and horses have to do in a rectangle that is 66 foot feet wide by 198 feet long and there are letters around the outside and then five to seven judges boxes are put around this outside of this rectangle we ride in and we have to, within the three gates that horses can do, which is a walk, a trot, which is like a two-beat gate, and then a canter, which when people talk about galloping their horses, the canter is a slow, more collected gallop. So within about eight minutes, we do about 27 different movements, like a skater would have to do quads or toe loops are various different uh, axles. We do movements where the horses go forward and sideways at the same time. In all three gates, they have to do things like uh, pirouettes and they have to change their, their, their leads in the canter like they look like they're skipping. And so it's a beautiful old sport. And then what we do the last day is we set it to music very similarly to uh, the skater who does a freestyle to the music and they choreograph their own freestyle. We do the same thing on horseback. 
and do all these beautiful figures and are judged by these judges. Each one of our scores is combined with the scores from our other team members to create team medals. I think there's there's obviously a lot of artistry and technique in, in dressage. And, um, you know, maybe certainly from the Summer Olympics, there are more publicly out gay athletes in in dressage than I think any other sport is is is. Is that what it is? Is, is it the artistry that, that seems to uh, uh, attract gay men to the sport? And, and also, um, is, is it a very welcoming atmosphere in the sport? Well, this is what I would say to that, Sid. And have, uh, so I've competed in six straight Olympics myself from 84 to 2004. And then I coached 2012 for the Canadian team in London. And then I coached the Americans in Rio. And what I would tell you is you would think that there are more gay out athletes, not just within dressage, but within the three Olympic equestrian sports than any other sport uh, in the Olympic family. But the truth is that if you consider the women's rowing team, which is a very large team because they have a lot of different boats with a lot of different numbers of, of, of people who, um, who train and are on those teams or diving, the diving team. I mean, across and even pretty much all sports that you would not think it was so um, prevalent that you would see gays, gays really within all of the sports, it's about the same as, the rest of the world and the community. What I will say is to dressage and to skating and to diving, those sports that are subjective and, and are um, considered maybe arts as well as sports, you do see more gay men that, that I would say are out and they're, they're not subjected to any kind of discrimination these days within those sports as they were maybe when I started in 84 and 88. And that's really what I was getting at when, I, when there are so few out men in the Olympics. Um, when I look at the summer games, uh, I, I mean, there's Robbie Manson who's in rowing, but you know, I can point to several people over the years who have been out while competing in equestrian and, um, you know, and diving, I only know one, Tom Daly. I, I don't know of another one who's publicly out. So I, I'm just curious if, if there's part of the atmosphere in equestrian that is more welcoming and inviting and you feel more comfortable being out than the other sports. Well, the thing with me is that, so I was, I would say, the first out, proud, gay Olympian. Um, and But right after me, not because he wanted to, but because there was no way around it, was Greg Luganis. And that's because he hit his head on, on the descent into the pool, if you remember that, oh, on the course. board. And then he bled into the pool, and then he had to not only come out as gay, but also um, regarding HIV status. It was a huge thing. Was there a moment that you came out, or, or was it just you were just naturally out? A little bit of both. So the, the, the difference being that everyone knew who was gay 
all, just like we would go down a road in in uh, downtown LA or wherever, and you look across and we all have gaydar, we knew who was gay. The difference is within the press, I'd made a decision that I was going to speak about it because it just was something that I thought needed to be out there. So in 88, when the teams always meet and go through how we're going to talk to the media, how we're, what we're going to, we get a media training as an entire team. So the U S Olympic team, which is summer comprised of say 550 athletes, they put you in a, they bring us all together in a, um, in one large building and, and we'll all sit in seats like as if we were in school and then somebody down at the floor will start talking about how it is best to represent the team, for instance, in Seoul, Korea, because when we were in L.A. at the Olympics, and I don't know if you are old enough to remember this, but when we marched in, we went crazy in L.A., and we went ran in going USA, USA, and people were throwing their their shirts off and running around and when <clears throat> people had, you know, I love you mom up on posters and the whole thing was, was wild because we were in our home country. And so we were warned against doing that. And, and they did do too much of that going into the Olympic stadium in Seoul, Korea and the Americans got in trouble for that. That was the last year where they were allowed to get out of line. Uh, well, the, you'll always have Los Angeles, I guess. Yeah, for sure. It was amazing. And, 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 but to that point, so when we were having these media um, discussions with the, the, the Athletes Advisory Council reps back in 88, they would have each person come down and say, my name is X and I, I am a swimmer and I'm so happy to be here because of. So you have like, 15 to 20 seconds. And my thing was, my name is Robert Dover. I'm the token Jewish gay boy on the U.S. Olympic team in equestrian sport of dressage and then walk off and people laughed. But I also had a lot of press following me around. And the same was going the same with 92, 96. I, I had a lot of press because one, they thought it was somebody that was not afraid to talk about being openly gay in, in Olympic sport. Well, it's, it's, and it's even more impressive that you were doing this at the height of the AIDS scare. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's because of you and other courageous athletes that we're able to look at some out athletes, so many more out athletes today. So, um, yeah, it's, it's and <clears throat> what is, uh, it's very interesting too, because, because of all of that, Sid, I came back to the United States after being in Europe. And I started after losing a number of my, my friends to HIV and AIDS, uh, Robert and I, with a couple of other friends, started an organization called the Equestrian Aid Foundation. And it's been now 25 years that we've been helping people that it was, well, I have to back up. When we started for the first 10 years, it was the Equestrian AIDS 
Foundation to help people living with HIV and AIDS in the equestrian community. And after the 10 years when the meds started getting better and people were living more normal lives with the cocktail that they had created for HIV, then we changed the name to the Equestrian Aid Foundation. And now for all of these years, we've been helping people living with any life-threatening illness or catastrophic injuries within the equestrian world. Well, you're an incredible trailblazer, and um, I need everybody to hang tight for just a couple minutes as we have a couple commercials, and then we're going to come back for just a couple minutes, Robert, and we're going to talk about uh, another trailblazer who you are putting a lot of your time and energy behind. Okay, we're back with Robert Dover. Uh, so, so Robert, I know that we just have a couple more minutes, but I, I, I want to talk with you about um, one of the one of the things you're putting a lot of energy behind, and that's your support of Pete Buttigieg for president. Uh, just kind of talk about why you've gravitated toward uh, Mayor Pete, and 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 just kind of um, why you've decided to put so much energy and time and, and resources into supporting him. So, Sid, I was about six months ago contacted by someone who was already supporting Mayor Pete. And she asked me if I would get on board because she knew that I had been very active in the campaign for Andrew Gillum here in Florida. And uh, I actually said, listen, I really think Andrew is an amazing guy, Andrew Gillum. And I put a lot of energy and Robert and I put a lot of support behind him. And his campaign people just did not, in my opinion, rise to the occasion to make sure that he got the messaging out that he needed to get out in order to win. And in fact, he didn't win. So it was early on. And I said, I'm not sure that I want to back that horse in the race yet. As far as speaking about Pete, I, I need a little bit more time to really get to know what he's about and who he is. And in all honesty, I would like to, to talk with them and meet him first. And at that point, that was not possible. So I said, well, the other thing is you can arrange a telephone call with his husband. I'll talk with him for a while. And that's what happened. So about a week later, uh, I get a telephone call from Chaston, and we spoke for about a half an hour about the things that I thought were important and about the things that Pete was really involved with as far as his, his main uh, ideas that he believed in, in changing America. And it felt good to me to, to get behind Pete, to support him. And, um, we did already have one event in Miami Beach about six weeks ago. It was a big success. I got to meet Pete there and we got to listen to him like one-on-one, -on -one, uh, Robert and I and, uh, and some other folks. And he is so bright. He is a moderate, which I like very much. He's not so far to the left that it's going to be complicated with, with, with respect to 
uh, like I like all of them and I will get behind all of them. But for instance, Trump already has a, a, a name, a nickname for all the other ones. And you know what those are. I mean, I don't have to, to spell those out to you. He already has his thoughts about how he would attack Bernie as a socialist. He already has his thoughts about how he would attack basically any of them, except Pete. And when he talks about Pete, Trump has one thing that he can say about it, and that is that he can't pronounce his last name. And that's what I like, that Pete is a Rhodes Scholar, like Obama. He's a Harvard grad, like Obama. He is a military vet, which I think is fantastic. And I actually think that the fact that he is openly gay speaks to the his his authenticity as a human being because people don't realize for you or for me how hard it is to lead authentic lives when doing so it can be a danger with regard to your income to to your ability to hold a job and especially a job where most people would not think that a gay person would excel and um I just think it for all of those reasons, he is the number one in my mind as far as taking on Trump uh, in a debate and taking a, taking him on in the general election to win the presidency. I have had a, a similar thought, wondering how Trump will belittle this guy without coming across as a real jerk. And of course, all of the nicknames and the belittling um, don't exactly elevate Trump as a human being. It's just, I don't know, a military vet and very intelligent and Midwest guy and gay. Like, I just, I don't see the opening there. So I've had this, a similar thought as you, but the, the, the thing that gets me about Mayor Pete, I remember eight years ago talking to a couple of black Republicans and they said, if 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 there's an opportunity to have a black president, I have to vote for that guy. And I find myself kind of in a similar thing where if there's actually a chance to have an openly gay married president, we have a California primary in a couple of weeks. I don't know if I can pass that up. And it's I know that that may, we're supposed to be, be about issues, but gosh, to have the power of having that man in the White House uh, or just as a Democratic nominee, I think is just too much for me to pass up. Well, I, I think that's great because, see, I want you to vote for him for whatever reason that resonates with you. The fact of the matter is when I think about myself in my life, in my career, the last thing that I think about <clears throat> with regard to my, my chosen career is that I'm a gay man. All the other things that make me an Olympic medalist and uh, a coach of a medal winning team may have become uh, sharpened because of who I am in, its enti- in, in my entirety, including the fact that I'm gay. But it's it, when, I, when I've gone out to win a medal, I've never really thought about the fact that I was gay during that period of time while I was trying to win a medal. And while, he, while Pete is trying to do good for the country, 
for all the reasons that he needs to not just save our country, but save our world, literally, the last thing that I think that he's thinking about is his sexuality. And yet, if what resonates with me, what I said before is that he had to come out in the military and as a politician, both of which would be very difficult to do when you're considering whether it will be a negative or a positive for your career and your life. And you think of Ellen DeGeneres, who courageously came out, lost her job for years, but now is one of the most powerful women in Hollywood, right? And for Pete to, to become the president of the United States obviously resonates to you and me because of the fact that we're gay men, but all of the other reasons that he will be a great president have to do more with his brilliance, with his compassion, with his ability to look at the big picture of things and the fact that I believe he will try to reach everyone and find uh, the common path towards a successful outcome with everyone, whether they're on the right or the left or, or straight or gay or black or white. And I believe that the uh, people of color, as they meet him now, as he goes around the country more, are going to see how authentic he truly is and compassionate he really is about their needs and, and what would be, will make their America a better one for themselves and their families and their communities. I know you're having an event in support of, of Mayor Pete's presidential run. Uh, when is it and how do people get involved? So our event is coming up on February 26th. It's right here in Wellington. And if they are interested in finding out more about it, they can contact me on social media platforms like Facebook or Instagram. You just look for Robert Dover. They can message me and I will forward them the invitation because we would love to have everybody from the community coming and meeting and, and getting to listen to Pete. Uh, and, and then I know that it will resonate with them just as he's resonated with, with us. Amazing. Well, Robert, I, it, it really has been such a pleasure and an honor. One of the, one of the, this is the best part of having worked at Outsports. I get to meet the most incredible people who have done the most incredible things. And, and just to have, to have happened to run into you a couple of years ago on Fire Island and gone to spend time with you and Robert, it really is uh, such a pleasure and an honor. And I really appreciate you coming on and talking, talking about all your experiences today. Well, it's been fun for me, and, and, and we love you, Robert and I, and, and it's always great to see you, and we'll, we hope we'll see you again soon, okay, Sam? Yes, Robert, we will no doubt see each other soon. We always seem to find a way to run into each other. Uh, if you are looking to find Robert, he is on social media, like he said. He's on Facebook. He is on Instagram at Dover's underscore world. You can see more about him, his life, his husband, uh, and the riding attire company that they've built together. 
If you are around tomorrow, check out a Level Playing Field podcast here on Outsports. Randy is going to interview a couple people in ice hockey. Uh, Zach Sullivan, who is an athlete who came out recently, as well as Brock McGillis in Canada, talking about what makes hockey so unique and so difficult to kind of crack the, the homophobic code in the sport. Anyhow, check that out tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back next week with another scintillating interview in and around the LGBTQ sports space. Uh, around the Olympics, gosh, we are only a few months away from Tokyo. I uh, hope you have a great week, and we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.